Jared Wilson is a husband and a father, a blogger at the Gospel Coalition, and the author of several excellent books like Gospel Wakefulness and Gospel Deeps and the Explicit Gospel, a book he co-authored with Matt Chandler. Jared Wilson likes to write about the gospel, and he does so with skill. Jared also pastors Middletown Springs Community Church in Middletown Springs, Vermont, and his next book is due out in July from Crossway. It's a gospel-centered book, of course, but this time it's for pastors, and it's titled The Pastor's Justification, Applying the Work of Christ in Your Life and Ministry. It's an autobiographical book. And on page 32, this is what Jared writes. He says, quote, At Middletown Springs Community Church, we enjoy Soup Sunday in the Fellowship Hall from the weekend after Thanksgiving until Easter every year. I'm an introverted personality, which does not mean I don't enjoy being with people or that I'm not good at interacting with people, only that it's work to do so. Extroverts tend to fill up in social settings. Introverts tend to empty. The social interactions I engage in after preaching on Sunday are fraught with ridiculous peril. It's difficult for me to listen well. I don't always speak thoughtfully or carefully. I am running on fumes, end quote. I wanted to put Jared on the line to talk about the strengths and the weaknesses and the temptations of being an introverted pastor. And I began by asking him what he hopes his forthcoming book for pastors will add to the important ongoing discussion of the pastor's spiritual life. Well, my main approach is to uh, bring that, um, I guess, the paradigm of gospel centrality to, you know, to a pastoral resource. Most of the things out for pastors that I have seen, not all of them, but most of them tend to be uh, along the lines of like a pastoral toolkit, sort of the how-to, um, and those resources are great. Um, there's also a lot in the way of you know leadership, leadership skills, techniques, the character of leaders, that sort of thing, all of which are great as well. But uh, I wanted to write this book in such a way as to bring um, the gospel to the heart of the pastor. So there's lots of practical things in the book, how a pastor schedules his time, spends his money, stewards his family and all that sort of thing, but really wanted to um, use the finished work of Christ as sort of the, um, the grounds and the motivation um, and the satisfaction for the ongoing work, the daily, weekly uh, work of, um, of the pastor that uh, many times just seems like um, the more you do, the more there is to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And Gospel Centrality is a strength of your new book, and it's really the strength of all of your books. Um, this book now, the, the Pastor's Justification, is quite autobiographical. How did you personally come to understand gospel centrality in your own life and ministry? Well, uh, the short version is um, the gospel renaissance in, in my life, or what I have called gospel wakefulness for me, um, occurred um, in, a, in a time where I was not active in ministry. It was uh, sort of in a, an interim period for me. Um, which, as I look back now, I believe God was keeping me out because I, I certainly wasn't qualified. And, um, you know, there was just, uh, I guess what I would call a train wreck in, in my life related to my marriage and um, a period of de- uh, depression, um, even, you know, some suicidal thoughts and that sort of thing. And, you know, the Spirit really got a hold of me then and um, just worked a wonder, a miracle in, in my heart that from then on, from the... Um, you know, the reconciliation with my wife, the sort of rebuilding of my marriage, um, month by month, you know, uh, a couple years into that, believe the Lord was now uh, releasing me into these new opportunities to lead a, a young adult uh, group, which became a church plant, and so on and so forth. So really what I'm enjoying now and what I'm seeking to do now is to stay tethered to that experience, not um, become addicted to experiences, but 
um, I've just been so shaped by what the Lord did for me um, that I have sort of lost taste for um, all the other things. So my ministry, even even now, eight years later, nine years later, is still all about um, that wonder, <laughs> that exaltation of, uh, of how delicious uh, Jesus Christ is in the good news. Outstanding. That's a wonderful contribution that you make, Jared. And I think it will be appreciated by pastors who, who read the book. One, one of the strengths of your book is how you address pastoral pride and how pastoring is really a means of, of humility. One of my favorite lines from the book is when you write, quote, pastoral ministry is a baptistry of mineral spirits for the self-varnished. <laughs> oh, man, that's punchy. Uh, in, in a number of ways, that's punchy. And a lot of pastors I've known over the years are actually on the other side of the spectrum, or maybe just maybe just it's a different manifestation of pride, but most pastors that I know are insecure, um, almost to the point of paralysis. You know, they haven't read enough CCEF booklets to do counseling. They haven't read enough huge theology books to teach systematics to their people. They haven't read enough books on preaching for the sermons to really be effective, or, or so they think. Talk to this pastor. I mean, what would you say to the insecure pastor who is all too aware of his deficiencies and his weaknesses? Yeah, well, two things. As you mentioned, I think that sort of um, timidity or that, that insecurity is a form of pride. It's just sort of like the flip side to that sort of hyper-confidence, ego-centric thing, um, because it seems to be you know, the distrust of of our abilities or the distrust of uh, being able to lead and, and teach effectively or um, faithfully um, comes from, um, I guess, sort of the belief that it's up to us. And that can be crippling. Um, you know, certainly that can lead to sort of insecurity. So one of the things that I've been, you know, even just lately reminding myself of is how, um, how supernatural Christianity is. How, you know, I think it's easy for us to forget in the church world, in the ministry life, um, that what we are dealing with here is, is spiritual, because we're used to thinking, of, well, if I do this, then this will happen, and if I do this, then this will happen, and I need to have these tools and these skills and these gifts and, and that sort of thing. And what we see um, in, in the scriptures is God specifically is using, prefers to use weakness and brokenness. And um, so I would say, you know, the insecure pastor is onto something in sort of, tapping into his weakness, but I, I would say um, certainly in the gospel we find a confidence not in and of ourselves, but we find a confidence in, our, in ourselves because of the confidence we have in Christ. So um, we don't have to know everything. We don't have to uh, you know, be the best guy on the block or even the smartest guy in, in our church. I think sometimes pastors feel like they have to be the smartest guy even in their building, and, um, and you don't have to be. If you have the gospel then you have the power of God for salvation. Jared, you're obviously not afraid to come out in this book and call yourself an introvert. Um, you're very clear on that. Explain for us what an introverted pastor is and what an introverted pastor is not. Well, I've, I mean, this is somewhat recent for me, the discovery or seeing the, the definition of, of an introvert as not someone who doesn't enjoy being with people or, or who isn't you know good with people or that sort of thing, although I guess there's you know, some shades to that, but, um, and I forget where I saw this, but uh, it, it resonated for me as a self-identified introvert and for those that I know who identify as introverts. Well, what I read, this new definition, is not that introverts don't like being with people or, or, or aren't at ease with people, um, but that being with people or, or engaging conversations, spending time with people, 
is, is somewhat taxing. They're not, um, you know, it's draining for them. It's work in some way. Whereas extroverts seem to fill up more um, when they're with people. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that resonates for me. Um, you know, I guess I could be a shy person and tend to be a shy person, but I, I like spending time with people. I, I love, um, you know, talking with people and getting to know their stories and sharing parts of myself. But at the end of the day, it's it's um, it's somewhat draining. There's a fatigue that takes place. So that's sort of the working definition that I use in the book. Jared, was there ever a point in time when you thought you had to become an extrovert in order to become a good pastor? Um, when I was in student ministry, yes, especially when I was in student ministry, because there was such a pressure on being a performer, and there was such a pressure on bringing, you know, reaching those sort of kids on the margins and. Um, you know, it, it, it's easy to talk to extroverted kids because, um, you know, they will come up and talk to you. And uh, the sort of shy kids, the kids that I was, I found it difficult to talk to because it in, involved having to, you know, get out of your comfort zone and that sort of thing. And there was a lot of pressure in student ministry especially, and some even in, in my ministry today, um, to kind of be what you're not, to be sort of a glad hander, and a, and a, and I think there's some there's some truth in that reaching out to people. But you know, certainly I felt like I had to be on all the time when I was in student ministry. You travel around quite a bit, and I, I'm sure you know a number of pastors. Um, what's your gut estimate of how many pastors would qualify as introverts? Um, I meet quite a few. I, I I don't know if I could quantify it. Maybe you know, 60% of those I meet would qualify as introverts, and I don't know, maybe this is a good, um, you know, good grounds for, or a good opportunity for, for some sort of study, because I tend to, I think, see more introverts in kind of this uh, neo-reformed tribe or whatever we're in, and I tend to see more, ex- what I would consider extroverts in sort of the, um, I don't know if you call it the attractional tribe or um, or, or what have you, but certainly I saw more extroverted pastors, or what I would consider extroverted pastors, in my days in kind of the, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the megachurch world. And that would be a, th- a fascinating study to see how theological persuasion impacts how certain groups uh, attract extroverted or introverted pastors. We'll see what we can do to make that happen. <laughs> uh, as, as you know, introverts, especially in our circles, can create a lot of space in their their own lives. You know, introversion can be something of a trump card or an excuse that pastors can use, like, you know, oh, I'm an introvert, I don't do hospital visits, or something like that. I mean, how? what are some ways that an introvert can use introversion as an excuse? Well, just as you said, certainly um, we're great at, at um, you know, finding justifications for our sins and, um, you know, for our disobedience. And uh, you know, this could be a, a handy excuse to talk about the way that we're wired or gifted. I mean, it's you know it's fairly common. People who say, "Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, therefore, you know, I'm not on the hook to share the gospel with my friends and that sort of thing." And so, it's important for in, you know for pastors who identify as introverts uh, not to use that, you know, not to play that card. Uh, there's such a temptation to sort of hide out in the study, um, and and I think my experience anecdotally is. Most pastors who identify as introverts tend to be of the more studious type. They enjoy alone time reading, sermon prep, studying, you know, being scholars, that sort of thing. And so, I mean, all of which is important and, and necessary, uh, but there's such a temptation to kind of hide out and insulate in your office or your house or what have you. And certainly for me, the great temptation comes from fatigue. So I've spent, maybe I've spent quite a bit of time being with people and spending time with people, so I haven't neglected that duty. But then I use my tiredness as an excuse uh, not to minister to people when they need me and, and, and that sort of thing. 
you know, so it's it's important not to be lazy, to not use our, our introversion as a excuse for late, uh, you know, for laziness. Yeah, that's a good word on that temptation. So, I mean, speak to a young man who's wrestling with an emerging call to pastoral ministry, a young man who is also an introvert, and he doesn't know what to expect. I mean, as he wrestles with this call, what would you, with pastoral experience, want him to know at this point? Well, I would say one of the, I guess, ironic temptations for the introvert, especially if you're starting out in ministry, is especially if you're conscious of your introversion and and, um, aware of how that might strike certain people. On the flip side, you know, you certainly don't want to isolate. You want to make sure that you're available. You want to do as Peter exhorted the elders to, you know, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Um, You know, do it willingly, eagerly. Um, You know, there's, you know, certainly that um, availability that's needed, the eagerness to feed the sheep. But on the other side, there can be a temptation to overcompensate. I've seen this in my own ministry and to people please. And so maybe the people want you to be an extrovert. They want you to uh, be available beyond what you ought to be available. So uh, pastors who don't take days off, pastors who don't protect uh, time with their family, time with their wives, uh, or just pastors who, uh, you know, constantly feel like they have to pretend to be something that they're not um, because they feel like someone's going to be unhappy with them um, if they are who they are. And so I would say to the young pastor um, to seek real confidence um, in Christ because um, it provides an empowerment, it provides a security, um, it certainly helps with timidity, but it also helps us understand, um, you know, that we don't, not only uh, do we not have to please everybody, we can't. It's, uh, it's a losing game. Earlier, we talked about how a Reformed church um, is more likely to have an introverted pastor. It, it, the, earlier, we talked about how a Reformed church is more likely to have an introverted pastor. I mean, d- does that mean that when an introverted pastor leads a church, are there adjustments that need to be made to the expectations of the local church based upon his leanings as an introvert? Yes, well, I don't know about adjusting the expectations, but yeah, I guess I could use that phrase and just to say, um, you know, I protect, um, for instance, I have Fridays off. Um, those are sort of uh, my day with my wife that, um, you know, we go out and run around and, you know, look at the greenery and the foliage and all that kind of thing. And so that's a very protected day um, for us. Now, if someone is, you know, has an emergency, someone's in the hospital, someone is in crisis, you know, certainly, um, you know, I'm available for that. But, you know, I've made it clear that I protect Fridays um, because I want to honor my wife, even above honoring my church. And you'll have people who will, what's strange, I don't know if they even know they're doing it, but it seems like any time that I mention that, the the forthcoming week there's a request to meet on Friday. And it's almost as if someone is trying to test that boundary, you know, for you. Um you know, to see if you really mean it or to see if they can pull you away from it. Um, certainly if they're not doing it, I feel like the devil is doing it because I, I do have a tendency. I still have this people-pleasing thing. I want everyone to be happy. I don't want someone to be unhappy with me. And, uh, you know, it becomes a great temptation for me um, to do that. But I also think something that Ray Ortland uh, in a group setting that's long ago that really resonated with me was this. He said, um, your church will become what you are. And I heard that he said to his elders, uh, you know, our church will become what we are. And so when we were establishing elders at our church, I wanted to make sure I didn't get clones of myself. But certainly there are things we have to have in common because of the biblical qualification for elder. Um, but I, I wanted to make sure I didn't just get, you know, three introverted 
um, you know, theology nerds, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Because I think there's a way that that shapes your church personality almost, or the church climate. You're setting the tone, and I don't want our church to have, I mean, our church is made up of introverts and extroverts, but I don't want our church to have this sort of introverted personality or to be kind of uh, a clone of, of me. So it's important to have that kind of diversity um, among your pastorate and your leaders. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Thanks, Jared. And uh, maybe one more question about calling. Um, would there be circumstances when a man is so introverted, so study-focused, that it would be wise for him not to even consider pastoral ministry, but maybe a ministry of writing or some other type of ministry? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, depending on the person and, and, and the level of their so-called introversions, and certainly if, you know, we've heard you know, the phrase uh, painfully shy or socially awkward, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I might steer towards writing. I might steer towards, um, to some extent, um, you know, becoming a scholar, professor, teacher, that sort of thing. Um, because, uh, you know, pastoral ministry is, is not simply um, standing up and teaching, um, you know, engaging with people, being with, alongside um, people. So, you know, you have to have some comfort level there. Certainly there's a lot of weakness you can uh, you can have, and the Lord will compensate for. But, um, yeah, I, I would certainly address that. Thanks, Jared. Let's uh, finish up on this note. Speak to more seasoned pastors who are introverted. Is there any other advice you would want to share with them as they seek to serve the Lord and their local church faithfully with all the wrestlings that they feel with their introversion? What would you What would you say to them? Um, I guess the most important thing I would say is to have uh, you know real friendships, to have uh, you know a few close friends that you know you can be transparent with, who can hold you accountable who are, um, you know, authorized by you to, uh, to speak the truth um, to you, um, but who love you and that you can, you know, you can be yourself with. You know, I know, um, you know, I can tell I have, you know, a lot of friends, but there are, are a few that, um, you know, you can tell when you're with someone in a private setting uh, when you're wearing the pastor hat and when you're just yourself. And it's, you know, oftentimes it's not by virtue of anything that you're, you're trying to do, or, or, but just the setting, the way, um, you know, I feel like friendship sometimes has a, has a chemistry to it or, or something. You know, something that God does in, in our hearts with people that we would consider our, our close friends, that we would be connected to. And so I think one of the temptations for introverts is, is just not to have that. And I find that really, really dangerous. Um, you know, introverts can be friendly with lots of people, um, but um, introverted pa- I mean, pastors in general, I think, struggle with having close friends, uh, especially close friends in their church. Um, but introverted pastors probably have an even greater struggle with that. And so I would say to be active about that, you know, be proactive about that. That was Jared Wilson, author of The Pastor's Justification, Applying the Work of Christ in Your Life and Ministry, due out from Crossway in July. While writing his book, Jared took time out to write two blog articles for DG written in a sort of a a screw tape letters-like twist on pastoral ministry temptations. And I would recommend those two articles to you. The blog post titles are, quote, The Subtle Art of Sabotaging a Pastor and How to Sabotage an Introverted Pastor. You can find those at DesiringGod.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Authors on the Line podcast. This free podcast is supported, produced, and distributed by Desiring God in Minneapolis. You can subscribe and find a full archive of episodes by searching for Authors on the Line in the iTunes store or watch for new episodes online at DesiringGod.org forward slash blog. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thank you for listening.